Welcome to the League of Melanated Gentlemen. This is a gentleman's briefly. This is a special episode. My name is Brandon, and uh, I have one of our lovely co-hosts here. Uh, it's me, Jordan. I'm back with another briefly. Yes, sir. Another briefly today. Special comic book council meeting number one. This in this series, what we're going to be doing is kind of breaking down comic books. This is for the people who actually dig in and read. Got that put in that sweat equity on reading actual comics. Yeah. It's a special read out here. There's not many of us left, but uh, you know, <laughs> we're doing what we niggas can. Don't read. Yeah, niggas <laughs> don't read, man. It's unfortunate, but niggas don't read. But uh, but yeah, today we're just basically gonna kind of introduce three comics to each other. I'll have three myself, Jordan have three, and we'll kind of just talk about uh bring uh, a comic book up. We'll kind of give a short summary of what we thought, and then we'll kind of discuss it a little bit. Um, but yeah, George, anything you want to say first? No, I mean, I think me and Brandon, like, we we definitely have a love for comics. That's definitely one of the things that we kind of bond over. And mm-hmm. I feel like our our interests as comics are going to be a little different. So this is going to be really interesting to kind of see what we pitch. Right. And I would definitely say I didn't stick to just Marvel. So those people out there are like, oh, maybe I'm just going to pick Marvel. Get ready, because yeah. <laughs> You, you, you'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. I expect it. I mean, I know you did, you kind of deviate to others. I'm more of a DC Marvel yeah. guy. I also boom comics. Um, but yeah, if it's a really good independent, I'll read it. But, but you know, yeah. Um, All right, but okay. Well, yeah. What's your first one? So my first one is it actually just came out. Um, it is Blue Beetle graduation day. Number one. Uh, I've always loved Blue Beetle and this one, this comic really made me kind of way more interested. So basically, if anyone doesn't know, just a quick uh, summary, Jamie Reyes is the Blue Beetle. He had a uh, kind of a science, kind of mystical science thing come from the space called a scarab. It's called uh, Kajida. And basically, it's it's sort of from a bug race, alien race. It came down, attached itself to him, to his back. And it basically, it's kind of like the Venom story a little bit. Like, it's yeah. attached to him. He's the host. But it also is a little more uh, scientific and stuff. So, in this story, it's pretty cool because it kind of starts off as Jamie's fighting this uh, villain called Fadeaway. And I've never heard of Fadeaway. It must be one of these little young, <laughs> one of these young new villains. But, uh, yeah. but basically, Jamie uh, or Jaime, however you want to call it, uh, they are, Jamie is struggling kind of in the fight. And he's kind of like narrating, like, Hey, this usually doesn't go this bad. I'm, I'm kind of worried. I'm kind of in an insecure place. And uh, he eventually ends up beating uh, Fade Away. But he looks at his phone. He's like, he has 33 missed calls. He's like, oh, snap. And so he, he's like, oh, he forgets that today is his graduation day. It's high school graduation. And he's running late. So he's, he's making his way back to the graduation. You see his family there. And they're like worried because they're looking in the crowd before the thing starts, before they start calling names and giving out diplomas. They don't see him. The cool thing I'll say about this comic is when the family's together and speaking, they're speaking in Spanish. So they don't give you yeah. any like translations. It's just all Spanish, which is cool. It was a cool aspect. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but it was a cool aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Jaime gets there and he's like, Whoa, all right, cool. And he kind of sits down. And his friend's like, what the hell you been? Like, you're late. You almost missed the whole thing. And he's like, all right, I'm here. Good. And right before they're about to call uh, Jamie's name, he um, the one thing about his 
having Kajida on his back, Kajida gets kind of uh, visions of stuff like in between and it'll kind of affect Jaime in, in the kind of in it. And he'll be like, have visions of crazy things. There's this thing called, uh, I think it's the reach, which is kind of this whole evil uh, branch of bug alien race out there that he just faced with, I think the whole justice league went against him in the dark crisis, dark crisis on infinite earth run, which I, yeah. I didn't read, but they kind of mentioned that. And so, yeah, Jamie gets kind of a like a weird vision. He's like, oh, snap, he's kind of thrown off. And so they call his name in the uh, to give him his diploma. And um, Kajay does like sig- signal uh, detected, signal detected. He keeps saying it. And Jaime's like, what the hell are you talking about? And obviously no one else can hear this, but he's like signal detected. And so Kajay Da just takes over his body and flies him out of uh, flies in the, inner, uh, in the outer space. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on? And so uh, Kajay Dot figures out that the Reach are trying to signal him. Um, the tough thing about Blue Beetle is he's a hero, but because he's controlled by this um, kind of like alien form of him, it can be changed to evil. And yeah. so um, he gets this signal, Kajay Dot gets this signal, and then they shoot back to Earth. And then uh, Jamie's like, oh my God, like, my family's going to be worried, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, I got to go home, make sure my family's not worried about me. Goes home, family's like, hey, how you doing? Like, they're kind of calm. And he's like, what the hell's going on? And then he looks to his right, and there's Superman. <laughs> and Superman's oh, wow. like, hey, how's it going? Um, and Superman starts speaking Spanish to his family. It was cool. He, like, connected with uh, with Jamie's mom. She, he was like, man, she makes a great. I forgot what Spanish dish it was. She was like, oh, thank you. Muchas gracias, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, Superman's like, that's, hey. I didn't he, think, that's crazy. I didn't know yeah. Superman makes speak other languages, but I guess he, he's pretty smart. I mean, it, so. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, it was a cool way to do that. And then uh, Superman was like, hey, um, Jamie, can we talk outside? And then they go outside. And I guess, again, I didn't read Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth, but I guess there was an issue where Blue Beetle kind of struggled um, with the Justice League and was kind of going back and forth. I guess the Justice League didn't trust him. And so in this instance, they're in uh, Jamie's backyard. Superman is like, hey, I know you're going through a lot, but I'm going to have to ground you. Essentially, like, I'm essentially have to make it to where you do not, you can't be Blue Beetle. We have a, we've gotten signals um, that the Reach is trying to come back. They're trying to send their army back and trying to come back in some way or another. He's yeah. like, what? What are you talking about? And so um, he's like, hey, I, I really think this, during this time you just graduated, I think you should take this time to be with your family, blah, blah, blah. And so he's pissed off. And then Superman leaves. Superman hits up, um, hits up Batman is like, hey, uh, we, uh, I did it. I told him. And Batman was like, all right. Uh, that, you know, Batman was like ruthless. He was like, all right, but we did what we had to do, blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. uh, Jamie gets back home. And his parents are like, all right, you're not going to college. So we're sending you off to this, to your uncle's to work for him at his diner. And he's like, what the hell's going on? And he's like pissed off because he's leaving. He talks to one of his cousins is on the phone. And he's like, what the hell? I guess he's looking at the news or Instagram or something. And Jamie's like, what are you talking about? And he looks and I guess someone from the reach, they didn't really explain, is in El Salvador destroying some stuff. So that was kind of like the last panel. But uh, overall, I thought it was a really good issue. Uh, it was cool. You know me. Love a coming-of-age story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, so I just thought it was a really cool, and I love the way they 
introduce Superman and like these bigger characters. It wasn't like this huge moment. It was kind of casual. Uh, and it was yeah. kind of made sense. Like Superman, would, if you're a kid, Superman's going to visit your family, make sure, you know, everything's good, especially if they know that you're a superhero too. So overall, yeah. I man, I thought it was really good. I will say the artist, Adrian uh, Gutierrez, it looks very anime. Like the art is very anime. So I think you would like it visually by the way it looks. Okay. I say I do. So I was gonna say the thing about Blue Beetle. I know we've seen them kind of multiple times throughout different like DC movies, yeah, um, and different anime shows. So if people don't know, like we've seen them then. But he also has. I think his movie's supposed to come out next year. Yep, it's supposed to come out next year. I've, I've heard like a lot of people are excited about it. Like that's one that kind of the production stuff went under. You know, all the DC mess with movies and stuff. That one just kind of cleanly yeah. went through. They, they they filmed it, produced it, blah, 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 got it through, and now it's coming out next year. So I, I think that'll be a pleasant surprise because, I mean, the character's and dope. I would say Marvel right now in the MCU doesn't have a Hispanic character, do they? They... Ooh, that's a good I'll question. Top my head. I'll, I'll top my head. I can't think of anybody. Nah, I mean, Miles Morales. I don't think he counts. He's kind of both. He's kind, but... of, kind of mixed, yeah. So I was like, yeah. this could be a big opportunity for DC. Facts. Um, if they do it correctly, it could definitely be like because the way they did it in this book, like the they definitely added the culture to it. They didn't like whitewash it. They actually added the culture to it. So I think at the movie, the CGI and everything's good. I think it'll be good. But yeah, with this one, Josh True Trulio, I think is the writer. He did a really good job. Okay. Okay. So. Um, my first story that I'm going to go over um, is actually one called Pride of Baghdad. It is, is it, I believe it's by Image. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I got the book behind me, but I, I should have took a look at it. But um, yeah, created by Brian K. Vaughn and Nico Hemer, Henricon. I don't know how to say his last name. Mm-hmm. But for people who know Brian K. Vaughn, his big ones were Paper Girls, um, Saga, and why the last man, which actually had a show on FX, FX this year that came out. Wait, um, so he he wrote Paper Girls and Saga, and Saga, yeah, and why Dang. the last man? Okay, um, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely. Oh, he also he also wrote and I think he wrote and created the Runaways uh, over in Marvel. Oh wow, okay, yeah. So I mean, he's been he's been a while for for a while, and this book was this book was actually created in September two thousand six. So this is an interesting book because this isn't a normal book where it has humans. We actually follow a uh, small pride of lions. So we follow this pride of lions uh, named Zil, Saga, uh, Noor, and Ali, who ended up escaping from the Baghdad Zoo during the 2003 invasion of Baghdad by the U.S. And this book is actually based on a true story. So this actually happened in real life. I think wow. some of the details might be a little bit, you know, changed for a dramatic effect. But for right. the most part, from my understanding, that this story truly happened. Um, and I'm not going to give away the end of the book. This is a it's a it's a small um, just graphic novel. So you only have to read the one um, and you'll kind of get the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it follows the pack after they escape from the zoo. Um, and they're actually kind of just roaming the streets, you know, in this war torn country. Um, and kind of each lion kind of represents a different position in war. Um, and throughout the book, you'll kind of see a lot of like, um, like a lot of, I guess, examples of uh, the horrors of war. So you'll get a lot of analogies in war, but then also you get a lot of um, talk about 
kind of freedom versus captivity. Um, so for mm. example, each lion kind of represents a different part of war. So we have like a young lion who kind of represents the the young militia. So you know how you know young kids get adopted into you know the army basically in yeah. other countries. Yeah. Um, you have another lion who like you see his mind is like ravaged. So so he ends up like raping another lion, which we understand in war, you know, sometimes things happen, which is very unfortunate. Um, So yeah, each lion kind of plays a different part in the war. Um, And they come across kind of some different animals. They come across a bear um, that's been in captivity, but it's kind of like, um, I believe it's like a representation of kind of like force and brutality um, because there's a very graphic scene in there between, you know, these lions and his bears. And then we come into contact with another lion who's kind of been chained up and he's been captive. And the two of the lions have an argument of saying, well, he's captive because he, this is humans did this to him versus like, no, his mindset is being captive right now. Um, Mm. This book, I think it's a, I think it's a very interesting book and I really enjoyed it, you know, reading it. Someone recommended it to me. And when I first thought about it, I was like, well, I want to read a book about lions. Like it's like, I, I have no interest in it. But once I read it, I was like, wow, this is, this is really impressive. Um, and the lions are speaking. Um, so you do see that in the ending, the ending, like it, I was, I was shook. Like I did not expect it to end that way it did, which mm-hmm. in real life, like I said, this is based in real life. So these, right. this actually happened to these lions at the end of the book. Um, so I think, I think it's a really good pickup, really good read. Like I said, it's a, it's a short one. There's only one story. You don't have to worry about, you know, any back history or any continuing history or anything like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's my first recommendation for reading. What was it? What was the name again? It's called Pride of Baghdad. Gotcha. Okay, so, this sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So, all okay. right. What's your what's your what's your next one? Number two is Blade Vampire Nation. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about this in passing. Uh, yeah. This this one was fire. It's a one off. Um, so it's just a one shot story. I like it because. If you know, if you're more of a casual fan and you haven't kept up with the long running Avengers run or things like that, you can just hop into this and it kind of introduce everything, catch you up real quick, and then go from there. So it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to give like the spoilers at the end, but essentially, um, it's a really cool concept. So Dracula has a nation called I think it's Vampirisk. Vampirisk. Basically, it's a nation that they've created where Chernobyl. Which every, if people don't know, it's it's a nation, it's a place in Russia that was, I guess, had an accident, a nuclear the accident, nuclear meltdown. Yeah, yeah. And so humans can't live there, but they've created a nation there where vampires came. So the, so the, all like the nuclear, the radiation, all that stuff doesn't affect them. So it's kind of yeah. like the perfect place to place them. And uh, yeah, Dracula is the ruler of this nation, and he. The UN, he worked with the UN, he worked with the Avengers to get this place sovereignty, make sure it's recognized as a nation. And the cool caveat is the sheriff of the entire nation is Blade. So it's like the perfect person to uh, kind of make sure people are abiding by the laws and things of that yeah, nature. They stay in line, yeah. Exactly. And they all know Blade. Like they know he probably, he probably killed one of their cousins or something. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, <laughs> but yeah, he's a arm around there. Exactly. So essentially, um, we see that some mercenaries come into the nation and they uh, they basically uh, assassinate uh, one of the council members of Dracula's uh, council. 
And what we find out is the mercenaries were paid to kill. They were actually paid to kill Dracula. But the person that they killed kind of took Dracula's place in the last last second uh, logistics or whatever. But essentially, Dracula sees that, okay, there was an assassination attempt. It was meant to be me. I really need this investigated. And so he's like, there's no better person to investigate this than Blade. So he hits up Blade. Blade's like, mm, hell no. Like, <laughs> you do this yourself. You know what I mean? And he's yeah. like, no, I need. No, actually, Blade was like, why don't you just round up all your enemies and kill them all like you used to? And, he, and Dracula's like, well, I'm trying to build a nation. So I can't just be killing everybody uh, just because they disagree, me, disagree with me or whatever. And so, yeah, Blade goes about the investigation, does a really good job. It actually does a really good job of showing like Blade is actually really good at investigating things. He isn't just slinging swords and shooting people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he, uh, I don't want to give it an ending, but essentially he figures out uh, he figures out that there were, in the records it said there was just four mercenaries, but really there was five. And we also figure, and he, he finds that fifth mercenary to kind of get a better answer on who paid him uh, who paid the mercenaries to come, why they wanted the assassination, who wanted the assassination, and why they wanted it to happen. And so, yeah, it was a really good story, man. Like, the the art was dope. It was real, like, real, like, grungy and, like, realistic. Uh, yeah. Like, you felt like you was in a, in a place, first of all, that had a bunch of radiation. It looked like, it looked like a city, but it looked torn down. So it looked like you know, some vampires live there. It also showed that there are some humans that live there, like on the outer rim of it, to where the radiation doesn't hurt them as much. And I think they, yeah. And so like those people have a choice, either stay there and be basically servants for the vampires or be turned into a vampire. Um, You kind of have one or two choices. So it's kind of crazy to think about. That's that's a tough choice. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, man, this story was outstanding. Like, you know, I'm a I love Blade. Like he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, I love the movies. You know, Wesley Snipes, like yeah. go go level, uh, underrated as far as starting the MCU. But yeah, I just think this did a really good job of like showing how how dope Blade is and showing like how smart he is. He isn't just you know he ain't Punisher where he's just like just <laughs> shooting anybody killing people. He, exactly. Like he got a little bit of Batman in him where he can just investigate things and track down stuff so yeah it was a really good like i would say i would definitely say i know this was one of the series that you recommended to me and then someone else recommended to me as well and i actually picked it up i just haven't got to read it yet so i'm definitely looking forward to reading it and i will say that marvel has started putting blade kind of in a bigger role i feel like once he got announced for his movie they started putting him in a bigger role because i mean he's been part of the avengers now yeah um he's had multiple kind of one-shot stories he had another story with him and wolverine i believe that was three issues which was also really good um and then obviously he has his movie coming out so i feel like they're trying to use blade a little bit more now yeah i agree i feel like they do that like they do it like a you know it's kind of like in wrestling where you get a little push you know, the events are a guy with some talent who give you a push and you get the, you know, get a lot of time in front of the crowd. I feel like that's kind of what it is with Blade. I feel like it happens a lot. Like, used to, I know that yeah. happened with Guardians and a bunch oh, of different sure. characters. I um, mean, Iron Man is the biggest example. Exactly. Like, like he's, he, before the MCU, he wasn't really popping like that. Now he's like in every comic. Exactly. He's involved some way, somehow. So, yeah. But overall, man, I'm glad you're going to be able to read it. I would uh, Blade Vampire Nation number one. I highly suggest write, the writer's Mark Russell. It's really good. 
really good. Okay. Um, my next one is definitely one that I've been telling Brandon that he needs to read. Uh, but now that he become like a fake Star Wars fan, he might actually check it out. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> this one's actually another one by Brian K. Vaughn. Um, I just mentioned it, uh, but also artist Fiona Staples. And this is Saga. Um, and if people don't know, Saga is probably one of the best independent comics out there. Um, it was created in March of 2012. And I always tell people, think of it as Star Wars mixed with Romeo and Juliet. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so just a kind of quick summary. And this is only and this is only for volume one. Um, so it's the first six issues. Um, so we get introduced to kind of a, a young married couple um, in Marco, which he is from the planet Wreath, which is uh, which is a moon kind of outside of planet Landfall, where his wife uh, Alana is from. And basically the two the two factions are going against each other. So that's kind of the Romeo and Juliet. Like they go against each other. People are in war against each other. Um, and basically they're on the run from each other because Alana kind of deserted her post um, in a war. So she's kind of in the war and she's supposed to have been watching over him. But over time, they kind of ended up falling in love. And they actually ended up having a baby, which is both of them were completely shocked because they are two different species of basically aliens. And they have this one daughter named Hazel, who is basically the first of her kind. I mean, also kind of uh, Marco's people, they kind of know magic. So they're kind of, I feel like they're more of like the in tune with earth type things, while Alana's people are more like militant. Um, where she's, you know, she's about war, she's about fighting and everything else. Um, so this first volume, you really see Alana and Marco kind of deal with being parents, uh, while also they're being hunted by by different assassins at this point not the entire galaxy yet um but the assassins so we have prince robot the fourth who is basically a robot with a tv forehead um and kind of his emotions kind of show on the tv monitor he kind of shows what he's thinking sometimes there's been times where he's been and i would let me say this is a very graphic uh comic book so kind of one of the first scenes that opens up you kind of see her having a baby and you just you just see crazy stuff and the reason i say that because there's in later on volumes you kind of see uh prince robot fall in love and like he's in the middle of having sex and he just tells the random well she wasn't random but he ends up telling the woman like he loves her but he didn't mean to say it his tv monitor basically gave it away <laughs> um and then also they get they get hunted by um someone named the will uh who's a bounty hunter but he also has um a cat which is named the lion cat. It's the type of species where if you tell a lie around the cat, the cat automatically just says lying. So it's been plenty mm. of times he's, he's been talking to somebody and he'll say like, oh, I'm doing this for this reason. The cat is just like lying. And so like <laughs> you can't, it, the cat senses the truth when you try to say it. Um, so the first, the first uh, volume, it goes through kind of them, dealing, like I said, dealing with parenthood, trying to get away from these bounty hunters. Um, they also go to different planets, you know, trying to get away. They come in contact with a ghost who's in the, who ends up becoming like um, like a babysitter slash sibling um, to young Hazel. And the story is fantastic, man. I tell you, like the story, it's it's currently sitting at, I think, maybe 60 issues. And they said that the story is going to go to 108 issues. So we're about halfway through now. So the first like the first 10 volumes are out right now but I recommend starting with number one. And this one is a big one because when they created, when they created it, they wanted to say, they wanted to create a show where 
they said this will never be able to be turned into a show just because how outrageous some of the characters are, the mm-hmm. things that they do. So this is kind of one of the things they said that will never be able to be done. But I feel like with cartoons like Rick and Morty and, you know, streaming services like HBO, like I feel like this would be a fantastic animated series. I mean, this series has won a ton of awards. There is yeah. so many awards so far. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my uh, recommendation. Saga Volume One. Yeah, Saga is one that I've heard about for the last like six, seven, it's probably five, well, probably six years of just like people like Saga. You got to read Saga. You got to read Saga. And yeah. so yeah, I actually was gonna. Uh, recommended to one of our friends who who loved uh paper girls and yeah. i was gonna recommend it to her but i was just like i don't know I, I haven't gotten around to it but maybe i'll maybe i'll read it eventually it's a fan- fantasy sci-fi for those who want to know so yeah yeah brandon what's your what's your last one all right last one you know me gotta keep it original kind of keep it go back to the the uh the text uh mighty morphin number 18 so Obviously, Power Rangers fan over here. The the great thing though, I would I would suggest before I get into it is if you're if you were a Power Rangers fan and you was like, eh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool on it. Like that's for kids. Read the comic books because the comic books is a heightened level of seriousness. There isn't any campiness. There isn't any of that stuff. They like actually deal with real stuff, and I'll kind of touch on that. But in Mighty Morphin 18, um, essentially. We're coming off of Eltarian War where Zordon's people try to take over Earth. Like, and mm-hmm. so uh the Power Rangers, Zordon, even Zed, Lord Zed helps them um fight off the Eltarian people. But now that the Eltarian people are there, they did tear down the like the Morphin Tower, the kind of that classic uh command base that they have in yeah. the show. They tore that down. So now the Power Rangers are looking for a command base. And they're, that command base is Eltarian, so it's from that Eltarian race. And so they're looking for that, and they find one on another planet, but it's underwater. So uh, everybody but Rocky goes, and uh, Rocky's the Red Ranger. Everybody goes out there, tries to find it. Well, Rocky stays because his mom just asked him, hey, I need you to watch uh, your little brothers for the weekend. So, like, logistically like that's a real situation you know what i mean like yeah he's a kid he's an older brother he he's tasked with going to another planet to find a command center but his mom just asked him to watch his siblings so like he had to make that decision and so um rocky stays around there's a new green ranger uh they gave the green power coin to a dude named matt who they believe was you know deserved it and uh, they're there. They're still on Earth. They're working with a group called Prometheus and Zordon still there. And Matt is trying to help um, build, rebuild Prometheus in the city of um, Angel Grove. But he needs a distraction. And so he asked Matt, who Matt is one of the rare, rare rangers who's like broadcasted to everybody. He's a Power Ranger. He's like, he went on TV, yeah. announced it to everybody. Oh, yeah, I know. Tommy was pissed. Tommy was like, what the fuck? Tommy's the White Ranger now. So we have both the White Ranger and the Green Ranger to, like, work in at around the same time. But yeah, yeah Tommy, was, Tommy was pissed. But um, essentially, Rocky uses Matt to kind of help distract his brothers and sisters because they're like, oh, it's not the Green Ranger. So they're distracted. So Rocky can go help build up this new base that they have 
on Angel Grove, not the one that they're searching for, but a different kind. And the team that went to go search for the Otarian place, they run into um, some resistance. They run into some aliens who are like, nah, like, you, you're not about to take over our base. Like, we already ran into y'all before. We're not doing that. And Tommy's like, ran into us before. What are you talking about? And he's like, y'all just tried to take over our place. What do you mean? And he's like, oh, you think we're Eltarian? Like, you think we're the people who just tried to take over Earth? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course you are. And he was like, no, we're not. Um, and so Billy, they let Billy go down there to figure out uh, maybe a new place. They didn't want to take these people's home. So he figures out a new place called the Lion Galaxy. I don't know what that is. Honestly, that's not really canon. So they may be yeah. something new. Um but we at the end, the big thing is the machine empire shows up, which if you watch Power Rangers Zeo, that's like the big villain of that whole series. And it's the cool thing about it is we're kind of moving away from Mighty Morphin. Like that's all we've ever gotten in the comics yeah, for the most part. That's ever shows, yeah. Yeah. So to see a villain from a different series is pretty cool to see. Um so yeah, uh, Mighty Morphin 18, that's by Matt Groom, who's actually a new, a new writer on the series. And yeah, I would highly suggest this run. I'm just starting this run, so pretty good so far. Okay. My last one is uh, one that I've mentioned probably numerous times on the show, um, but I had to put it on, on this list. Um, is Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. It came out in January 1994. Uh, it's only four issues, so and I've and I kind of touched on it before in the past about the you know quick summary of it, but just to kind of sum it up again. So this is basically a story that's set from 1939 to 1974, kind of in the world of Marvel. Um, so this is kind of when everything got started. So basically, it follows a, a young photographer, Phil Sheldon, when you first get introduced into the world of heroes, which at that time they called them Marvels. So we see mm -hmm. the first Human Torch, who's an android. Um, you know, not Johnny, Tor not Johnny Storm, but the actual Android Human Torch. And, you know, eventually over time, that Human Torch and Namor end up getting into a fight. And so now the world is introduced to Namor. Um, we also see the introduction of Captain America and all his efforts in the war of World War II. Um, so we follow him as well. Phil Sheldon is a photographer. He wants to really go to war and kind of see Captain America in, in action. Um, and then kind of years progress as well. We, we're still looking at everything through the eyes of Phil Sheldon and how he sees it and his experiences. And so mm -hmm. we get to the point where we get to the space race. Um, and, you know, the first people in space, or at least the people that in this universe that, you know, came to space were the Fantastic Four. Right. And, you know, they come back down to Earth and we get to see the change that happened in them. And so he's he's a photographer. So he's getting all of these different stories. Um, people are coming to him. We also get introduced to uh, J. Jonah Jameson. We see him at a young age and he kind of his obsession with different heroes. Um, we see the Avengers get formed for the first time. One of the biggest things in the stories uh, in the story is um, one of my favorite parts is when the mutants, he deals with the mutants. Um, so it's kind of like how, you know, how black people, you know, mutants were basically an allegory for black people. And so yeah. we see that Phil Sheldon and kind of these other people around him are afraid of mutants because not everybody looks like a Professor X, you know, not everybody right. looks like a, you know, Jean Grey. There are some people where I would look like Beast or Nightcrawler mm -hmm. or some people even worse. And so at this point in the story, he ends up like he doesn't like mutants at all. He's afraid of them. 
And he comes home one day and he finds that there's a mutant in his house, a little girl. She looks like deformed and everything, but he ends up like basically rescuing her and saving her almost like an Anne Frank situation where people are trying to get her and kill her, but he ends up protecting her, you know, giving her safe haven and everything like that. So he kind of learns that, okay, even though these mutants are different at the end of the day, they're still people. Um, Another major thing in the story, and this is kind of Marvel comics is the first time we see Galactus come to earth with the silver oh, really? surfer um and in the story it, it seems like real life like if you see this giant thing telling you that he's going to destroy your planet you're going to go with your family you're going to be with your family you're going to you know say your last words you're going to try to be with your people and this is exactly what phil sheldon does i mean he's afraid for his life he starts he starts to think about his regrets that he have and he is truly scared and then in marvel comics the fantastic four end up beating galactus right. um and so you get to see everything. And, it, and it's just such an amazing story because it deals with the humanity of everything. It's like if these people actually lived in our real world, they would not, it would not be fun to live in a world full of heroes. Right. It would be terrible. Like you're always mm-hmm. having to worry about something. And Phil lives in New York, the heart of where everything happens. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, man, we, we just got to see him. We see, uh, we see Peter Parker come onto the scene uh, as Spider-Man. And of course, J. Jonah Jameson has his beefs with Spider-Man. We see that as well. Right. Um, the story is just a beautiful story. And I will say the art on it, You, some people may not like the art, but this is probably one of the biggest artists that Marvel has ever had, which is Alex Ross. He's a painter, so everything uh, is like painted. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. yeah, the art is not for everybody. But if you can get, if you can see the beauty in his paintings, it is amazing, amazing. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. I'm always recommending that one. Marvels. It's only four issues, like I said. They've tried to follow it up a couple different times, but the original series that came out in '94, amazing. And like I said, it also has this. It has numerous awards too when it came out. So gotcha. yeah, I, that's I like Alex Ross. He did uh, Kingdom Come. He did a lot of like, exactly. Those stuff. are the yep. Those are two big ones that he's known for. Yeah, I, I think. I know I liked it for Kingdom Come just because it fit the kind of fit the story. And it sounds like it fits fits the story for this too. It's kind of an older um, you know, look and his stuff is usually like older looking. Yeah. Um, like classic comic book look. Um yeah, but yeah that sound that sounds good. I remember you you recommended it before, so I need to check that out. Yeah. So Brandon, yeah, I think we're definitely going to turn this into a series. Yeah, I agree, so, man. Hopefully, uh, I'm back three know, more and we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. And our biggest thing to say is re- read comics, folks. Like, read comics. Yeah. I know, you know, if you read in general, just pick up a comic. Just go to a comic book store, just pick up number one and just start from there. Trust me. It's, exactly. It's, uh, it's a you, fun hobby. And if you have, if you want more recommendations, you know, feel free to hit us up, me and Brandon up. Yeah. Um, you can find us in our Facebook group, League of Metal Age Gentlemen. Find us there. You know, let us know what genre that you like, and we'll try to, you know, help you out and figure out what you want. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's we'll try our best to kind of put it in whatever category you're looking for. But there's so many comics out there, and there's so many, like, like Jordan mentioned, like, independent comics that were, like, even if you're not into superheroes, like, if you're just into a good, like, crime story, there's so many stories yeah. out there for that type of stuff. So... Anything you like, there's something out there for it. Yeah. Um, well, Brandon, I mean, 
we still have not figured out a way to end these uh these episodes. I know. So the thing I've just been saying to kind of end it is we out. We out. Thank you.